Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. This is Dr. Sheldon L. Akins, host of the Leading Equity Podcast and a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. For more great podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to episode 79 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook, and I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook because our wonderful co-host Casey Bell is a little bit under the weather today and isn't going to be able to join this episode. This is the first episode where you haven't had both of us. We knew that it was going to happen eventually. And so to help fill in Casey's shoes for one episode, I have invited our guest who we were going to interview anyway on the show to join us to be sort of a, a co-host fill-in. So with us today, we've got Lissa Brunin, who is an adjunct professor at Grand Valley State University, and she also uh, runs Engaging Techniques, where she does professional development and a variety of other things. And um, Lissa, I am pumped to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Hi, everybody. This is a fun surprise. I'm so sad that Casey's not here with us, but I'll do my best to fill in. I am no Casey, but I'll do my best. No, no, it'll be it'll be great. This no, this will be good. And um, yeah, we've got some we've got some cool stuff to talk about related to, of course, G Suite and some of the cool things that Lissa has done on her own and with her students. So that's going to be one of the big parts of the show today. Of course, we do have Google News and updates. We will have some mailbag entries from the tribe because we love to hear from you and a couple of blog posts to share. So, Lissa, are you ready to do this? Oh, let's go. So I'm excited to start the Google News and Updates for today. The keyword blog actually had a really inspiring article. Um, it's titled Inspiring Girls and Women to Pursue Their Career Ambitions. And it was posted on March 8th, which is actually International Women's Day. And they focus on the theme hashtag balance for better. And I love this article because it just dives into how Early on, we all kind of get guided in what careers maybe are for us, what interests we have, but we also get like pushed away from certain careers. So it focuses on how to make sure that girls specifically have some strong female role models that they get access to not get labeled early and look into careers that are interesting to them, not just a gender specific kind of thing. 
I love this whole article. It's inspiring. Um, it gives reference to the hashtag I am remarkable. So they go even further than just focusing on girls and women. It goes into other, um, underrepresented groups. And this hashtag I am remarkable gives everybody a chance to kind of celebrate what they're doing, not necessarily brag, but give a chance for other people to see what they're doing. Um, talk about their accomplishments, get some recognition and be excited about what they're doing. I love this. Everybody needs to read this article. It's a great read. And Google is partnering with Inspiring Girls International to do this. This is this is so cool. And there have been so many really good resources that had come out of International Women's Day. And, you know, this, just like you said, this is this really is inspiring. I know this is one of those things that I think fits very well into the nooks and crannies of what we do as educators, just to be able to throw that little piece of inspiration into some of our under represented groups. And so I think, I think this is great. You know, there's another post that came out through Google uh, for International Women's Day, and it's called A Look Into One Woman's Job at Google, Opening Doors for Other Women. And it's, it talks about Elise Burkhofer, Burkhofer. And so she, she has worked within um, Google in Australia and I mean, really in an industry that is very much male, she has filled this, this important role. And, you know, as you read down through this, you start to, to get really inspired about what she's done and the, the things that she's starting to be able to open up to other people. And she says, you know, it's not just mentorship that helps women advance in the workforce. It's actual doors being opened. You know, she talks about a sponsorship program for senior leaders uh, to reach back and lift others up where women are paired with vice presidents who happen to be mostly male to help them think through where they want to go next to provide support to make that happen. It's just really neat to to see the the representation and the encouragement and the the inspiration that, that comes along with all of this. Yeah. And I love both these articles just have a good focus on having positive role models. I think some girls growing up didn't have that. So it's really cool to see some people becoming those role models for us educators and for the students that we have. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk about some invention stuff. Uh, Google Arts and Culture has this. Yay, Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay, Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay. Awesome thing called Explore Millennia of Human Inventions in One Exhibition. And they have brought together over 110 institutions in 23 countries. And they have this thing called Once Upon a Try. Obviously, a play on the Once Upon a Time saying, but Once Upon a Try is in Google Arts and Culture. There are over 400 interactive collections. And as a former teacher, this blows my mind because I can see so many applications right away being able to use these things that focus on discoveries and how things are invented, not instantaneously, but through a lot of trial and error, a lot of failures. Um, they even talk about some deaths that happen, but how we as a culture learned more and were able to shape things and kind of grow from that. This connects directly to something I've recently used called Google Expeditions Da Vinci Inventions, which you use AR and look at some of the inventions. So it's super interesting. One of the things that you just have to check out in this blog is, Matt, there is an emoji and a toilet invention. If you ever thought about like, where did emojis come from? Or where did toilets come from? They have these cute two-minute videos that really are full of humor, but also a lot of information. 
Oh my goodness. That's, that's amazing. How did I miss this? I'm going to have to go check these out. This is, yeah, this is, this is really so cool. And again, as, as Casey and I say so often, arts and culture is always getting updates and, you know, there's, there's such a wealth of ideas out there. And this, this definitely is, this is a really cool one, especially with all of the connections that they've made in this to augmented reality and virtual reality and everything. So really, really good stuff here. All right. Our last piece of Google News and updates. This is something that apparently has been around since 2017, and I have totally missed it. And I'm thinking, where has this been my whole life? This is a little sort of obscure Google-ish tool. It's one of those that's um, that's made with Google, you know, one of those .withgoogle.com um, URLs. And this one is called the Data GIF Maker. Or data GIF maker. Lissa, which camp are you in? Are you GIF or are you GIF? The peanut butter thing throws me off. So I got to say I'm on team GIF. Mm, We'll just not tell (laughs) Casey about this. Please don't. I'm sure she'll never find it. I'll never be back. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. We're going to stick with GIF here. And so here's what this does. It's basically a, a GIF creator that lets you plug in some sort of, uh, numerical statistics. And it will create this fun little animated GIF that is either a rectangle or it's made out of circles or it's made out of kind of like a curvy racetrack. And then you can take that animated GIF and you can download it or you can share it or whatever. So I could see this being a really neat addition to, you know, possibly to slides and to Google Sites and just any place that you might share uh, one of these animations um, could even go in social media posts for, for us educators. So I don't know how I had never seen this before, but you definitely have to go check it out. You're not the only one that hasn't seen this, Matt. I'm in here and I'm like, these are amazing. And then I scroll down and realize you can actually make your own. So this is nuts. I haven't seen it either. And I'm excited to dive in. You might have to do the rest of the episode by yourself. Uh, yeah, that's right. We're going to be over here making animated GIFs instead. So <laughs> now, of course, you can check out links to all of these things, including that cool animated GIF maker at our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 79. All right, Tribe. So you've already gotten a little bit of a taste of our guest for today's episode. So now let me tell you a little bit more about her. So this is Lissa Brunin. She is the owner and chief engagement officer of Engaging Techniques. And she's an adjunct professor for Grand Valley State University. She's worked in education her entire career. And I think she has a list of... um different endorsements and certifications as long as my arm, maybe longer, <laughs> including Google certified trainers. She's a Flipgrid ambassador, um, Edpuzzle coach, Pear Deck certified coach, so on and so forth. And a frequent contributor to the uh, GT Tribe hashtag on Twitter. So uh, Lissa, thanks again. I know I already thanked you once, but I'm going to thank you again. Thanks again for A, filling in for Casey and B, for being a guest. Yeah, thanks for having me. I have to start out by saying, uh, my name is Lissa and I am a badge hoarder. A badge hoarder. <laughs> so where do you keep those badges? I mean, I know they're digital badges, but... They're super fun. I love learning. And this is just anytime that I get a chance to learn more about something I love, I'm on it. So that's where that long list comes from is just my lifelong learner habits. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. So um, now you had your spark into using Google, just like I did, just like Casey, probably just like everybody that's that's listening to this. And um, part part of that, I think, um, had to do with a being able to save things into the cloud so that you'd never lose files again, but B starting to learn that some of the tools are more than what more than meets the eye as was it? There was a cartoon years ago. Somebody's going to call me on this. I can't remember what it was. I think it was, it was transformers. That's what it was. Sorry. Total rabbit trail there. But the the G Suite tools really are more than meets the eye. They're more than what we thought that they were bargained for. And that was one of your biggest hooks into Google, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There was kind of a couple things. The first one was obviously the the one mistake you make where you are completely abandoned because you don't have things on the cloud. That was me. I went to a school to present and my PowerPoint back in the day, right, was saved on my work uh, desktop and I had taken my laptop and I had the cold sweats as I got there and realized I don't have my entire presentation with me. So I kind of swore never again and Google was going to be my lifesaver. And since then, yeah, just I love the Transformers thing. That's a great I never thought of it that way. But yeah, um, yeah what what is Google capable of? What is Google with fill in the blank, whatever other thing you like, because you can mash up so many things. So, so cool. Um, yeah, I look outside what it's designed for and watch for what other people make it capable, capable of and what I kind of find I can make it capable of just by twisting it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That And, you know, that's one of the things that always fascinates me is to watch what other educators and even people outside of the education space, we can learn a lot from that too, but just to watch how people sort of innovate within the tools. Um, you know, it's that idea that, you know, creativity isn't just thinking outside the box. It's thinking of what's in the box and how can we use that in a, in a creative way. And, um, I know that, you know, through your work with teachers, through your work with your students in your education courses, um, at Grand Valley State, you know, you've probably seen lots and lots of examples of this. So, um, can you can you talk about some of the things that you've seen where, um, you know, Google is used for things that it's not exactly, you know, not not exactly as it was written on the instructions on the package? Yeah, so probably my first one is you and Casey talk about this all the time on the tribe, and I love it because it is that Swiss Army knife, as you call it, the Google Slides, just simple things like changing the size of the paper, um, quote unquote paper, right on what you can do with it. So just putting it in printable form and and doing ebooks with that. I mean, that's constantly something you guys talk about, but just it blows people's mind when they think, oh, I had to do this one little thing and now I have opened up all these doors. And I think just add-ons, extensions, all those creative things that are out there, just follow that line of what is it capable of not just designed for? What else can we do with it, right? Right, right, exactly. So let's let's drill down into that a little bit. Can you give us some, you know, we're we're all about, you know, practical ideas and teaching people things that they can use in their own classrooms. What is maybe one or two examples of some of those things that someone could actually go and try maybe tomorrow or in their class next week? 
So I'm going to save the second one as my favorite one. I'll give you kind of a simple one first. Um, One of the things we talk about is when you app smash, right? You take two things that are designed for separate things and you create them together to do something. So in one of my upcoming courses, we're going to talk about, we've already talked about Google Forms. We've gone over a bunch of ideas on how to make them quizzes and auto-graded and some of the cool things you can do with escape rooms and breakout boxes. Um, But we're going to mash it with QR codes and put the questions around the room and QR codes out of order. And then they have to actually answer in a Google form. And it's just super fun. It gets the kids up and moving using technology. They weren't really designed to work together. They just do. So that's what we're going to do is one. The one that I love showing teachers, and I think it's so fun, is Google Sheets. Because so many people are afraid of Google Sheets. They're not quote unquote numbers people, right? So, but when I open up Google Sheet, you see everybody get a little nervous. But then <laughs> when I use the, the Flippity add-on, which is one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, is the Flippity add-on in Google Sheets. And show them how easy what Flippity calls the quiz tool or the quiz game. Um, they're basically making a Jeopardy game without having to use PowerPoint. And the nightmare... Matt, have you ever have you ever tried to make a Jeopardy game in PowerPoint? Oh my goodness, it is the biggest headache. There's all of the linking, and I always seem to forget to link one of the slides someplace, and then you get stuck in the wrong place. And yeah, it's it's a huge ordeal. Right, and even like trying to keep score or knowing which one. My biggest thing when I tried because I did make one. It took me hours, but I made one. My biggest thing was once we got back to the board, I couldn't remember which group picked which numbers. So we'd repeat questions and I'm like, <laughs> pick it everyone. You guys already picked that one. So just even simple things like that, showing this add on that all you have to do in Flippity is come with like the question and the answer and the whole game runs through Google Sheets. It's just amazing. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, while you were talking, I pulled up Flippity's homepage just to see some of the things that it could do. And I have not dug into this as much as I could, but holy cow, there is a lot of stuff here. I mean, you can do flashcards. It's got a random name picker. There's a typing test. There's a timeline that you can create, like an interactive timeline. There's bingo. There's hangman. There's, I mean, all sorts of different things. What was the one, the Mad Libs? That's pretty cool too. And what month is it, Matt? March. What month? It's March. March yes, Madness. It is. Down at the bottom, there is the Flippity Tournament bracket, which is very cool in this month. Oh my. Yeah. No, that's cool. That's, you know, I, um, on, on my, uh, other podcast that I, that I was doing for a while, the Ditch That Textbook podcast, I got to do a short interview of Dave Burgess, the author of Teach Like a Pirate. And he was talking about how you could turn so many different things into tournament brackets, especially during March Madness time. So, you know, you create a bracket about, you know, the different characters in the book or your favorite characters of any books or of, you know, different locations around the world or, you know, different animals and have students justify why they think one should go move on in the bracket or or otherwise. And um, yeah, this looks like something that you could totally do with Flippity, right? Oh, yeah. It's so fun. I even do it for my ed tech course, um, just in the theme of the month, right? We list out all the technology we go over and I let the students do the tournament bracket to their winner. It's just great feedback for me too, because I can see like their final four, like what technologies are they really grabbing onto and understanding? And it's just, it's good feedback. I get to look at that and plan for the next semester based on some of their responses that they didn't really respond to. They just played a game. So in this in the in the same vein of what we've been talking about here of like what is 
Google capable of not just design for. I have to say, Lissa wrote this into her uh, pre-interview questionnaire, and I keep looking at this at this phrase because I think it's just so so well stated. Like, what is Google Google capable of? Not just what is it designed for? And so, when we're looking to harness the power of that, of figuring out what it's capable of, um, you know, sometimes people look at this and they go, "Oh, well, you know." I'm just not a creative person. I'm not creative like you are. So I don't think I could come up with this kind of stuff. Um, Do you have any sort of advice or suggestions to people if they want to harness the power of capable of? If they want to figure out what is it capable of, what could I do, um, you know, outside of the standard way that one of these tools is used. Do you have any advice for people to kind of open their minds and and create some of these cool ideas themselves? Yeah. So first of all, I have to admit the capable of design for thing. I did not make that up. And honestly, I kind of think I heard it on this podcast. So I'll give credit (laughs) back because I'm not sure exactly where that came from, but it stuck for me. It really was something that kind of moved me and made me think, okay, I can be a creative teacher and Google gives me that power. So I have so many um, ideas of my own, but I'm a naturally kind of creative person. I was always, I was an art major for a while. So, but not Uh, everybody is right. So my biggest piece of advice, and I try with my students in my college course is you just got to connect. You, you don't have to come up with everything yourself. And I show them how Twitter can be such a powerful search tool, a powerful professional learning network, and you can share it. That beg, borrow, steal, right? The motto of the teacher is find mm-hmm. somebody else who's figured it out and put stuff together and go, hey, that works perfectly for me, or maybe I need to tweak it a little bit. But my ideas always come from other people, either on Twitter or at conferences or just, you know, chatting in general with people down the hall. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's that whole idea of better together, isn't it? Like a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's an that's an excellent answer for it. It's like we don't have to be individually creative genius people when we're connected to other people and we can be inspired by other people. Um, it's kind of like the title of this book that I love by Austin Kleon. It's called Steal Like an Artist. And he says, you know, how many artists throughout history have created something that was uniquely, totally, individually their own? None of them, because they were inspired by other artists. They were inspired by other people. And even if you think that you are creating something totally unique, you still have the sum total of all of the experiences that you've had in your life. And in reality, we are all influenced by a lot. And so there's no shame in coming up with something that is a remix or a reworking of what somebody else has done. It's kind of like that capable of not just designed for. You didn't want to take credit for it. I didn't want to take credit for it. We both liked it and we're not sure exactly where it came from, but we're going to use it because it works, right? A hundred percent. And you know what, Matt? I, I'm having your voice in my head because I just listened to uh, Jake Miller's podcast where you were actually a guest and he had started off by talking about the adjacent possible. Oh, yeah. And this just rings in my head, like exactly what he was talking about too, is you, you do, you build off what you hear, what you see, what you watch fail and you build on that and you just become better. Nobody is a genius within themselves, right? Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's shift gears just a little bit here. You you talked a little bit about um, you know working with the students in your um, in your college class for for pre service teachers, and I wondered you know with you having classroom experience and now 
having worked with pre-service teachers, um, what have you learned from working with pre-service teachers that could benefit us? Or like, what, what do you see differently now about education after having spent time with these, these people? Well, it's exciting, right? So I have the opportunity to like help these pre-service teachers walk into their first job already understanding a sense of technology and how to integrate it in their classroom. Cause that's, that's a passion of mine. That's why I do what I do. Um, but it also kind of forms a mission in me because a lot of the feedback I get from them at the one actually sticks out to me is a former student a couple semesters ago said, I'm a millennial. I know technology, but I really didn't know technology. And mm. she said that she knew social media and she thought that was technology. And when it came to teaching and using it in instruction and actually integrating it well, um, she really said, I'm, I was clueless. And so that scares me, but it also motivates me, right? I have a mission now to try and help more teachers walk in rather than already get your teaching job. And on top of that, trying to learn and catch up. I'd rather people walk in ready to go. You know, that reminds me, um, there's, there's a point that I like to make whenever I do workshops is that, you know, a lot of times students use their devices and they use them for what seems like entertainment reasons. You know, they'll do social media, they'll watch YouTube videos, they'll, you know, Snapchat each other and everything. And teachers get so frustrated. Um, forgive me, Tribe, if I've done this story before and you've heard it before, but um, teachers get so frustrated because they say, you know, all those kids know how to do is to use these devices to play games. All they want to do is just play games with them. And I really believe that it is our privilege and our opportunity to help them to see how to use those devices differently. It's like what your student said. I know technology, but I didn't really know technology because there are so many other ways that we can apply it and that we can use it and that it can that can benefit our lives and it can benefit our work and it can benefit our communities when we see it through a different lens. And so instead of being frustrated with those kids about how they don't know how to use it for educational purposes, I think we're looking at it the wrong direction. I think that is our opportunity to help them to see that. And then when we unlock all of that, doesn't that potentially unlock a lot of potential in them. It potentially opens up a lot of doors for their future and for the way that they can do things differently going forward. That's I I that's that's one of the things when you mentioned that, that's one of the the places that my brain went. Yeah, well said. And I love like I think about it as we teachers tend to say they are so distracted by their device or they're distracted by social media. Well, I think we have a mission to distract them in the opposite. We need to pivot them into you know, I think of Google Earth. I showed somebody Google Earth the other day and I bet they sat there for the next 20 minutes and just were like amazed because I pivoted them. You you have to show them something better, something cooler, something they can learn to get them away from that negative stuff that they've been distracted by. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so last question here, when it, when it relates to, to this with working with your students, the ones who know technology, but they didn't really know technology or working with teachers and professional development and everything, um, I'll bet you have a lot of moments where they say, oh my goodness, I wish someone would have taught me this before. Oh my goodness, if I had known this years ago, I would have done this differently. And I wondered if there were a couple of those aha moments that you could share with us that maybe we can give to somebody in the tribe where they haven't heard that or they haven't thought of that. 
Honestly, Matt, you and Casey are really good at this. So a lot of times I'll tell people to just listen to the podcast because you guys come up with probably the best ones. Um, I, I always think about some of the little things, you know, like force a copy. The first time I know I saw force a copy, I'm like, shut up. Like they don't have to mess with my stuff. I can guarantee I didn't put the wrong setting on there. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so I think there's just little stuff. I have shown so many people um, kind of like what you guys do, just these simple little things like like pinning your tab or retrieving your old tab and things that just make our life easier. Let us breathe while using technology. Um, so stuff like that, like I think it's just fun to learn new things. And and I love that you guys have the Google Teacher Tribe podcast because I think that's a great avenue for people to get kind of bite-sized things and really go practice them and use them and and go, oh, I wish I would have known, but now now I know. And then they can go tell people and hopefully catch them earlier. Guys, I promise I didn't pay off Lisa to say those nice things about the podcast. <laughs> wait, my check's not coming in the mail? What do you mean? Oh, wait. Do we have to re-record <laughs> this part now? Oh, it. Just kidding. No, I love the tribe. Keep it, keep it going. 100% endorsement for free from me. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, Lisa, this has been so good. Um, so many, so many practical ideas and some, some really good thoughts on, on using Google for what it's capable of. And, um, this is, this is really, really good stuff. If people want to get in touch with you and find out more about you or just stay in touch with you, what's, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter all the time. Um, I'm at a lot of conferences, so you'll see me go in kind of spurts of lots of fun information and then I'll just kind of tidbit stuff. But at Lisa Brunin on Twitter. And if you wanted to reach out on my website, it's engagingtechniques.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. Okay, so this is my one of my favorite times of the episode, so I'm excited to introduce it. We are going to open the mailbag, but Matt likes to jump in it, so we can do that too if you want. <laughs> Um, Jake Miller is the first person we're going to listen to. He left a voice message on the speak pipe. He's from Ohio and we're going to listen to him, um, talk about replacing boring old bullet points with emojis. Take it away, Jake. Hey man, Casey, Jake Miller here. I recently shared on Twitter how to take in Google Docs and take your boring old bullets and turn them into emojis. And people were, dare I say, super excited to learn how to do that. You just insert your bullets, right click on the first bullet and click more bullets. And then you'll get the options of all the different symbols and things like that that are available in Google Docs. If you click a little drop down, there's an option there that says emojis and you click on that and then you can add any emoji you want as your bullets. And then as you go through your list, you have that emoji as your bullets. Now, it's not really uh, revitalizing what's happening in the classroom and enhancing student learning or anything like that. But it might just put a smile on people's face. And hey, that's a great thing too. And that might make them super excited. Thanks, guys. Thanks for everything you do. Now, I just think this is a really good idea. I know I get bored when I see a bunch of type text. I get so bored. I actually use the Chrome add-on um, Speak Aloud because I can't handle, I don't know about you, Matt, but I can't handle reading a ton of screen text. It's just my eyes right. hurt. Yeah. It, it's just bad. So I love Jake's idea of using, um, instead of just bullet points, the regular ones we're used to in type text, um, spicing it up a little bit with emojis. I've seen people do this. I know I do this in my Google Classroom um, because you're forced in that type text. It just, it makes it come alive a little more. It gives people kind of a little uplifted, fun spirit and um, think it's a great idea for everybody to try out. 
Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree with that. You've also got that whole like verbal visual mix. So if you have uh, bullet points that kind of match the content of the sentence, that could work. I know even in tweets sometimes, if I'm going to do a short list of something on Twitter, instead of doing a bullet point or a dash or something, I'll take the um, the pointing hand, you know, the hand with the like pointing one finger to the right, and I'll use those as my bullet points just because it's kind of fun. It's different, you know, so. Yeah, I really like that too. So thank you, Jake, for calling that in. By the way, if you're not familiar with Jake's new podcast, the Educational Duct Tape Podcast, it's great. I did have the um, privilege of being a guest on that recently. So definitely go check his podcast out if you haven't had a chance to. Our next item from the mailbag comes from Debbie and she left a message on the website and she says, I love the digital interactive notebook idea. This was a post that I shared um, during the on the blogs segment of a recent episode about how I've used Google Slides to create something kind of like an interactive notebook only digitally where you have all of these interactive activities that students can do on slides. And she says, when students are actively using pages that the teacher creates, like matching games, things that you drag around, things where students fill in the answers. She says they're not in presentation mode, correct? So in this case, what's the purpose of presentation mode? Or in other words, why did you choose slides for this activity? Which I thought was a great question. Um, And Alyssa kind of ties back to our discussion today, doesn't it? Where we're talking about what what are the um, tools capable of? And so for me, Yeah. And I know that um, for me, I use slides in this for a couple of reasons. I thought, A, I like the idea that there are multiple pages. Now, could I have used docs for this? Yes, absolutely. But I like using slides because you have more design functionality. You know, with um, docs, everything's very linear. You type text across on the right, you know, going straight to the right, at least in English, um, because that's the way that it looks in books and that's the way that it looks in standard documents. But if you create slides where you have an eight and a half by 11, you know, eight and a half inches by 11 inches here in the United States, at least, um, you have it on standard paper size. And now you have the ability to design with pictures and shapes and lines and text and all of that. And so I really like that, that reasoning. And then number two, the other reason that I like it is that you can set a background, set an image as your background in slides. So in that case, Anything that I don't want my students moving around, um, I will create that as an image in the background. So then that way they can't accidentally click and move it. And then to answer the other part of Debbie's question, what about presentation mode? You know, really for this, there is not a whole lot of a need to use presentation mode. Again, it goes back to what is it capable of, not just what is it designed for. You know, it's designed for you to take these slides and put them up on a, a projector and to um, give the presentation. But in this case, we're using it more for the design and the writing and the and all of that. So anyway, that's that's kind of the thinking behind that. I thought that was a really good question. I love the idea, too, of like thinking of one, the multiple slides thing is, is why I would say that too. But I love, Matt, you came up with, I think it was on a Google Drawings one where you had stuff off to the side and they would drag it on and they don't necessarily use everything. So I love the idea talking about presentation mode as this is like your your recording space, right? This is what's going to be on air. And then everything on the side is off air. And you get to kind of decide what people see. And you have this like on deck circle that people don't necessarily see. So students know, hey, if I present this, 
they don't get to see the background. They just see what's on the spotlight. Um, so I love using Google Slides for that. Ooh, on deck circle. That's a good one. That was like a baseball reference. I, I, yeah. Former softball done. coach, bring in an analogy. Thank you. Oh, nice. Very good. Very good. All right. So if you want to check any of this out on our show notes, feel free to head to googleteachertribe.com slash 79. All right, Tribe, we've got a couple of blog posts to share with you, and then we're going to wrap this episode up. So just recently on the Ditch That Textbook blog, we have published a post called A Beginner's Guide to Twitter for Educators. And I am finding that there are so many folks who are still sort of mystified by how Twitter works and how Twitter chats work and all of that. So I enlisted in a little bit of help. I had two regulars on the Ditchbook Twitter chat, Carly Mora and Sean Fahey, uh, put together this great ebook. And so this is a free ebook that you can download that shows you all about the basics of Twitter. It shows you how to do a Twitter chat. So, you know, Lisa and I were just talking about how um, getting ideas from other places is so valuable. And so this is this has been my number one pipeline for new ideas through my entire teaching career has been going to Twitter um, to just to connect with other educators. So um, if you want to go check that out and download that guide, you can pick that up in our show notes. That is super helpful. I know I retweeted when you guys put that out and I had somebody say, this is exactly what I was looking for. So super helpful resource. Um, on Casey's blog, she has one that's called the Teacher's uh, Guide to Podcasts. So I know a lot of people are doing podcasts. There's so many valuable voices out there, so many people to listen to. So you definitely have to check out uh, Casey's blog post about this. I think, uh, Matt, did you say Chris wrote it or helped write it? Yeah, Chris was the the guest author of this. Chris Nessie, our fantastic uh, producer of this podcast, was the was the creator of the Teacher's Guide to Podcasts on Casey's blog. Yeah, so I'm glancing through this right now, and this is a valuable resource for anybody getting into podcasting, even just trying to find the right podcast. I know when I first met Matt, one of my first questions to him is, what do you listen to? Like, what are your podcasts? And it doesn't have to be just education related. So um, definitely glance through this blog, um, how to find podcasts, podcasts for professional learning. There's a bunch of great sections in here you just have to check out. Yes, and definitely find those on our show notes again at googleteachertribe.com slash 79. All right, Tribe, that wraps up yet another episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And what do you think? Did Lissa do okay? I thought she did a great job. Lissa, what was it like being the, the guest co-host? Oh, my gosh. It was awesomely terrifying. But um, I really hope Casey feels better soon because she needs to be back. She is definitely the one that belongs here. But I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been such an honor. Oh, you did great. And we certainly appreciate it. And we appreciate you, Tribe. Um for listening and for sending us questions and for tweeting to us and just for following along with the podcast. And if you do love the podcast, could we ask that if you haven't shared it with anybody, we would love that word of mouth suggestion that maybe you pass it along to somebody else that, that might find it useful. So we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, everybody.
Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. Former softball coach, really? Yeah, varsity softball, six years, baby. Really nice. You know, my wife is a varsity softball coach, and pretty soon after we get done with this, I'm heading out to practice to help. I'm going to hit like fly balls to her girls. I'm so jealous. Yeah, it's finally starting to get a little bit warm out. And yeah, you know, you know how it is, right? When it's, you know, start you're starting to get a little bit of that spring weather, but it's still sort of cool and it's windy and you get out to those first like practices outside, you know, the feeling, I, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, totally. I joke that they made softballs yellow because in the snow, we couldn't find them because we have to play in March oh, in Michigan. Right. <laughs> yep. 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 Exactly. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.